0: Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler podcast network Follow the Holler for relentless coverage Shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee Find them online at tnholler.com And on Facebook, Twitter,
1: and Instagram At the TN Holler. Today on Floods of Justice Justin Canoe from Tennessee Holler is here in the studio
2: If you have your Bibles Open them to Amos chapter 5 And I want to read verse 24 prophet amos says i want to see a mighty flood of justice justice justice
1: the floods of justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels led by reverend dr kevin riggs affectionately known as pastor kevin or rev kev he is the senior pastor of franklin community church and founder of franklin community development in franklin tennessee he is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the coffee house at Second and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. We need a studio. I liked how that sounded. Live <laughs> in the studio, but we're actually at the coffee house for I don't know how much longer. We'll see if there's another shutdown that closes all of oh, Wayne County. But uh, yeah,
2: I, I've got an o- aunt and uncle who live in France, and I got an email from them today. Um, you know, because France is going into a month-long shutdown. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. UK shut is down. doing it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, we it probably do us good, but
1: it might. It for today, might. we are here at the coffee house, and we have Justin Canu in the house,
0: gentlemen. Got <laughs> <great laughs> to see you both. Yeah, yeah, like, you that like, opening That opening sounds great, by
1: yeah. the way. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, and I know a good voiceover guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: sounds
1: yeah.
2: just like you. <laughs> oh, uh, Justin, of course, is founder of the Tennessee Holler, and we're part of the Tennessee Holler podcast. So I feel like we got our boss with us today. Yeah, so we got to gotta behave. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Everybody, <be laughs> how on are we bachelor. doing? I'm help. watching you. Is this is Undercover Boss episode right here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Justin's our fav- my favorite guest. We have a lot of fun. We don't have a, a script. We're just going to talk. Um, and obviously, we can't help but talk about the elections. The only problem is what, what election? Yeah, yeah. the only problem is we're recording this before the elections happen, and it may be the day after the election before we, so we're going to do half the show as if Biden won, <laughs> and then we'll do the other half as if Trying. Trump won. So I have to do the yeah.
0: second half in the fetal position. Yeah. 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 So second yeah. half's a
2: drinking game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, but uh, how's it going, man?
0: It's going, well, I'll let you know in 24 hours. Oh, um, it's crazy. I'm isn't definitely that? feeling some physical anxiety. But I'm certainly ready for this all to get over with, one way or another.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I I feel that way, and I f- I feel the anxiety, um, you know, and this just goodness gracious, I I think I think the first president um, that I voted for was Reagan. I mean, I think that's that was the first time I was old enough to vote and um and look I, what you did man yeah i know look what you did to this country and i hate <laughs> and i hate um i hate every election cycle this is the most important election in our lifetime it def- you know? we definitely say it every time but uh, there's something about this one that there is something uh, about this one. i think it's true every time honestly well maybe the most important election is the one in front of you yeah you know so that that aspect of it would be true but but the uh uh the anxiety um and uh you know what's going to happen um people um, like you know, when when Walmart is running out of guns and ammunition, right. and Toilet paper.
0: Well, we were just you- talking <laughs> about how both sides feel like if the other guy wins, the world's going to end. Yeah, and I don't remember it being like that. Yeah. in previous elections.
2: Yeah, and I don't ever remember having a doubt that it would be a peaceful transfer. Right. Uh, but I'm not so sure this time. Well, and that's when scary. the
0: guy tells you who he is, believe him. You yeah. know, he's yeah. he's not making any secret of. His plans hasn't been for months. He hasn't been trying to win this election. He's been setting up a strategy to disenfranchise millions of Americans and make sure that anything short of him winning is treated as a rigged election.
2: Yeah. And the the voter suppression, we had an episode a while back on voter suppression and, um, and man, I, I, even on that regard, I guess in the past, I've just kind of been a little bit naive or because the tensions weren't so high around it, not really paying attention to the, all the many different ways that, that you can suppress the vote. right? But now here we are at this election, and I just see it. Um, just every time you turn around, there's another, you know, well, we can't, like and we were talking earlier, you know, this is not the first election where after the election is over with, they're still counting ballots, especially mail-in ballots. That election. That always happens. And so that's why, you know, like the election, the polls will close at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, um, and then in, in a usual uh, year, uh, by midnight, a winner is declared, but that—that's just that winner is just projected, and then it's two or three weeks later before right. the count gets certified. And during that during that two or three weeks, that's when all the absentee ballots are counted, and it, so it's never ever been over on election. Never, but yet people think this time that that apparently counting these ballots after the fact is a brand new thing and a conspiracy to to get uh, Trump out of office. like, no, no, this has always been how it's been. It's just in the past there's been enough votes where, you know, we're going to k- still count. All. So the number that you won by may change, but who wins or who loses really didn't well, what, change with the exception of Bush Gore.
0: What you're talking about is sort of step whatever of a plan that's been put in place to slow down the mail, force people into mail, mail-in ballots Question that, question the results, have people's ballots show up late, and then declare victory on election night and make it seem like anything that gets counted after the fact is part of a rigged election, then try to turn it over to the state legislatures and have them assign their electoral votes to him, which will then end up in the Supreme Court. So everything they're doing has been part of a plan, a master plan, and it none of it has been about how do we win over more voters?
2: Yeah. Yeah, It's banana republic. I mean, it's like, you know, I go to Honduras and I follow some of their elections and I've been thinking about that a lot. It's like, man, the elections in Honduras and the elections here and how it's manipulated are like, okay, this is not this is not how uh, it's supposed to be. Now, unfortunately, it may have been how it's always been. It's just now with this one, we're seeing things that have in the past been done behind closed doors. Now, it's just right out there. And, um, and so, yeah, even me, it does regardless of who wins, there's going to be even part of me who wonders, okay, is that really who won? Right. The and holler that, shouldn't we, be we, that way. we've been
0: getting messages in our inbox, mostly on Facebook from a lot of different people with a lot of different stories like this, especially from college students who ordered their absentee ballots to their colleges that are from Tennessee to vote in Tennessee. It just never showed up driving 20 hours, 15 hours to go vote in person because it just never showed up. Got a message today from a worker at a living, an assisted living facility in Rutherford County. Their ballots never showed up. They can't go out to vote. Yeah. So, you know, this is systematic. Secretary of State Trey Hargett is treated like, you know, he's doing some great job. We're at the bottom, where I think we're 50th in voter turnout. A lot of people say we're not a red state, we're a non-voting state. This is all part of a general plan to keep people from voting. And when you listen to the president, he tells you, he even said recently that if we have universal mail-in voting, so many people will vote, you'll never, no Republican will never win again. This is how they see it. The more people vote, the more Republicans lose.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I, and I'll admit when I was in my younger days, um, and uh, um, when, you know, I grew up very, very conservative, evangelical, and there was even talk in election years um that not everybody should vote because you got so you know, because you know, if you're an uneducated voter, you shouldn't vote. And but now I look back now and I see what that was saying. That's uneducated voter is the code, code word for mm-hmm. something. And so, only those who really know the issue should really vote. Right. And and uh, to think that um, there was a time when I kind of want to lean, I, I would lean that way, thinking, well, no, I don't want everybody voting. I don't even want those educated voters to vote. Mm-hmm. And of course, the educated voter is the voter who's voting like I vote, and, <laughs> right. You know. And then, like you said, that's a white supremacist attitude. Um, but but this whole idea of every vote should count, and every everyone who votes should vote, it should be the easiest thing in the world. That's right. Voting should National be the easiest holiday. thing, yeah, and it should be the easiest thing in the world. I don't understand. I mean, I pay bills online, all that. Me too. I don't understand why you couldn't just now, vote online. You know, now you're now you're preaching the preacher. I've been saying this for
0: a long time, and I don't think anything would change the world faster than online voting, mobile voting. Suddenly, every single person would vote. All the young people would vote mm-hmm. on their phones, and you could if you could do that and not suppress that then you'd force these parties to change into things that reflect the people. And I think that's the best thing you could do. But we keep getting told it's not safe, even though we're banking online. We're voting for the census online. I don't understand. How, how, can, we, how can we sign up for the census online, which decides how many representatives and electors we have, but not vote for those representatives online?
2: I know. and It I doesn't have, make any sense. Yeah, and I have signed contracts online. Yeah. And and again, banking online yeah. and uh sent money back and forth on, online and yep. and uh f- you know and that it's it's relatively safe. I mean there's always people who are gonna hack. And so there there is, we could definitely vote online and I agree with you and that's one reason you don't want to do it because if everybody if everybody voted online things would change drastically. Right. Because away. now there everyone should be and but but yet I'm all for it. That's what should happen. If we're gonna be a representative democracy and every vote counts. You got to make that as you got to make voting as simple as possible. And what what we have seen this election year has just been uh, unreal. Where you got what was it Houston, where Houston, Texas is that county only one drop off box for uh, for, wow. for for mail in ballots, and that's also
0: where they're trying to yeah. disenfranchise one hundred twenty seven thousand people that voted through drive through voting. Yeah, there was a hearing this morning. Where they're trying to throw out all 127,000 yeah. of those votes out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, and even locally, we, my wife and I went to our place to vote here, and it may have taken us five minutes, and I get home, and I look on the news, and you have different sections of Nashville that are lower-income sections, and, and people are waiting for hours and hours and hours and hours, and it's like, wait a minute. It's right. not because Nashville is so much bigger than us. Right. And, know, and, and, and just to go all. back
0: to the online voting thing for a second, you know, it's doable. And there are companies that are focused on this. There's a company called Votes, V-O-A-T-Z, that people should check out. And they're using the blockchain, which I won't get into the whole blockchain thing, but it's essentially a, it's like voting on a Google Doc where everybody can see it. Nobody can change it. It's locked in and there's transparency. You could be able to go on there and see that your vote was in fact counted. There are ways to do Mm. this if people open up their minds to the possibility of doing it. And then the other flip side of that is, let's be real here. What we're doing now is not foolproof. I mean, we have instances where in Memphis, election commissioner, he's now an election commissioner named Benny Smith, a black man, uh, exposed that voting machines in Memphis were dropping votes in black precincts, went to court, proved it. And Republicans, instead of saying, oh, we need the paper ballots, need to throw those out, ordered more of them. And that happened in Memphis. That's proven. Bloomberg wrote about it, a whole thing. The election administrator at the time stepped down. Ever since that was exposed, it went from like all white men winning there to now some black females are winning there. So don't tell me that we can't do online voting because it's too flawed. I mean, what we're doing now, who knows what's going on? Who knows? We have no idea. They tell us the Russians came in, didn't adjust the voting totals. Prove it. We don't, we don't know. So, you
2: know, I, I think that's the way we have to go. Yeah, and it's really sad because again, it's like for the first time in my lifetime. Um, regardless of who wins, there's going to be a doubt: Did they really mm-hmm. win, or was this, or or was this, uh, was this rigged one way or the other? Um, you know, and and I've got my my own personal biases about which side I think would be more likely to cheat than the other. Yeah, but still, just but now, what's been what's been ruined in your mind is the doubt because right. you used to think. Okay, this we got this great country. We got these free elections and this peaceful transfer of power, um, and all that seems to be out the window right now. I hate right. to sound like a, a pessimist, but that's just kind of that's just kind of where that's and, just kind of where I am. The doubt that you're
0: talking about has been the goal of mm-hmm. our enemies, like yeah. the people that are hacking into our elections. Their main goal is to plant that seed of doubt that you're talking about, because once we have that doubt we start to doubt each other and we start to fall apart. And that's the beginning of the end for empires and for, you know,
2: great superpowers. So
0: that doubt that you're talking about is really a really important thing.
2: Yeah. And, and to me, then the, then we talked about this some before we went on air, that what will follow the doubt is the cynicism. So then it's exactly. like, just, I just don't want to participate anymore. Exactly. I just don't want to, I don't want anything to do with it. And then that's when, um, Um, you know, dictators and anybody else can take over because now the populace doesn't really care. So now those in power can pretty much do whatever they want to do. Right. And uh, we
0: have right now a a wave of authoritarianism and fascism mm -hmm. and a wave of resistance that have come together and have met. And they're both very strong. And if things go the wrong way, you know, for one of them, you could easily see the energy sort of starting to fizzle out because it feels like, oh, we just gave this thing everything we had and it didn't work. And then the w- the wave on one side gets even bigger, and that's, you know, then we go further and further down that wormhole.
2: Yeah. So so we need to play a song about being happy right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Life the is election good, happened it? and and Biden won. So I don't know why. Yeah, we're that's talking right. About this. That's right. This is this is after uh,
2: this is after yeah, exactly. November third. We
1: should we're celebrating here. Yeah. yeah. Shots <laughs> all around, guys.
2: <laughs> Biden Kamala. I know. Oh Jump in here, man. What are your thoughts? You've heard us go back and forth.
1: Well, no, I mean, I, I, I'm curious what, what you think it would look like. So, if, if we could, everybody could vote mobile and we actually got an ac- accurate pulse yep. on the country. Yep. What do you picture America looking like?
0: If, if we could, if we voted with mobile phones as easily as people would vote for American Idol, I think this country would instantly become a much more progressive much more inclusive, much healthier, much more equal place instantly because you'd have so many more young people voting and young people voting is what would change this country quicker than anything. So, you know, suddenly the, 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 because priorities are dictated by who votes, right? There's a reason that, you know, people have it backwards sometimes, but no, the the reason that young people don't necessarily feel like they have someone to vote for is because they kind of don't vote enough for people to reflect their priorities. So if you had all these young people voting, I think you'd instantly have, you know, things like universal healthcare, things like a green new deal. You'd have, you'd have a much more progressive country overnight. I don't think there's anything you could do to change the equation quicker than mobile voting.
1: Well, I know my daughter, uh, told us a few weeks ago, Well, it was a little longer than that, that she had bought a ticket to the Trump rally via, um, TikTok. TikTok, she was one of those. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I, I'm tearing up right now. I, I don't know if I've ever been more proud. That's <laughs> awesome, you know. But it's like, you know, she was she was 17 at the time. She's 18 now. But um, yeah, she there was power in TikTok, which is Beautiful. you know 14, 15 year olds that y- usurped the system there. And I am thought they they felt some power and they did it. And I awesome. thought, you know, I think you're right on on with the the younger crowd on if even if they're not 18 to vote by just showing, hey, man people can affect the reality and they can do that. I feel like we've woken a a sleeping giant in this country. Even if I hope that Trump does win, something has, has woken in the, in the protests and the fact that black Lives matter protests have been 90 some percent, 90, you know, really high peaceful protests. It was all these white supremacy groups that are coming in there to pretend and and create all the hoorah stuff. But that is encouraging to me. And I'm normally not a, uh, an optimist. See, I'm, I, I'm encouraged
0: by it too, but I do think it needs to get some confirmation through a result. Yeah. And, you know, there was some of that in the midterms, but, you know, if we turn around and everything's the same tomorrow,
1: that's, you know, yeah. that,
0: that's going to take the wind out of a lot of people's sales. But the TikTok thing is awesome. And I actually think that it was sort of under discussed that that moment had a lot to do with why he went after TikTok so hard because because oh, yeah. pretty soon after that he was trying to dismantle tiktok yeah. and everybody was like oh it's because of china and data no i think it was because those kids went in and humiliated him and he was exactly. like you know what i'm yeah. going to take tiktok from you
1: yeah and then he wanted to commission on the sale of it and well then yeah he, then he was know. like
0: sure why not yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah everything goes back to money and corruption with him and it's not that complicated yeah
2: yeah well what about locally yeah um, local and state areas what do you see um you know, what are the issues still or what do you see in the, on the horizon? So
0: I'm hearing more optimism than I would have thought from people. There's, you know, there's not that many competitive races in Tennessee. There's a few in Knoxville, a few in Rutherford County, a few in Memphis, you know, the rest are sort of like, we kind of feel like we know which way they're going. Um, but I do think there are some people that could, could make some, uh, shocking changes. Uh, One in particular, I think Brandon Thomas has a real chance in Rutherford County. He's a gay black man running against rep Mike Sparks, who won't even acknowledge that the civil war was fought over slavery. And I'm hearing that he has a real chance. So, you know, I think priority wise, we haven't really changed much. I think it's still, you know, getting healthcare to people. I think it's, you know, still making Tennessee a more inclusive place, but I do think that we are going to see some pickups on the Democratic side. And I I think everybody should want that. I don't think a supermajority is useful on either side. I think a Democratic supermajority is how they ended up falling into some bad habits. And I think the same has been going on with Republicans. We've seen a lot of ugly things on the Republican supermajority side, especially with Glenn Cassidy here in Franklin. So you know, I hope that things even out a little bit because I think we're better off when we have a balance. And at every level in this country, we are out of balance right now.
1: What do you guys think it would take, though, to get to to get out of a two-party system?
0: To a really- two-party system completely? Yeah. Man, a, a lot. I don't know what that path would look like. I think that that's probably a better result than, like, adding parties. I keep hear, hearing people say, we need more parties. No, I think we need no parties, you yeah. know. But I think really more the thing that would get us there quicker is the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the right person running who doesn't believe in that, but has the popularity to overcome that bad example, maybe a good example though would be like the rock, you know, running independent. I think there is a path now for an independent candidate with enough popular support and resources to run a campaign. I think Trump just showed us, you know, anything is possible. You know, he, 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 he just broke the mold. So Mark Cuban is another person that has talked a lot about running without a party. I do think you're pointing to something important, which is the party system has some problems. You know, we were warned about it by the founding fathers. George Washington used to write all the time how we would be consumed by the flames of partisanship. And it seems like that's what's happening.
1: Well, I feel like my, you know, I voted for Biden. I was glad. I'm proud. I'm glad I voted for Biden. But my biggest motivation was to remove Trump from office. And I felt like the only way in this current system was to vote for Biden. And, and I don't have a problem voting for Biden, but there were people that, you know, have some issues that, you know, they may be a one issue or a two issue thing, but they were like, ah, I don't really like Trump, but I don't like this thing about Biden. And sadly to vote independent or third party or whatever, it's throwing away your vote. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get to a system where your vote could yeah, actually, I know,
0: I know. I mean, this is not a new discussion, yeah. right? We've been having this discussion, Nader, you know, Perot, uh, you know, Bernie, Like, we've been having this discussion for a very long time. It seems like nothing is really going to change that unless it's the right person. Yeah. And I don't know what that person is or who that looks like, but we just have to sort of play the hand we're dealt right now, especially in this moment. This is not a moment to mess around with it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, you know, to me, I've always thought if you had a legitimate third choice, call it a party or an independent. um, So, like, you had basic, like, right now, what, it's going to be 30-some-odd percent are Democrat, and they're going to vote Democrat no matter what. Thirty-some-odd percent are, are, and both of these are in the high 30s, I think, are going to vote Republican no matter what. And so then you've got that independent. Um, but if there were three equal um, and always somehow or another equal, I don't know how you get there. Well, actually, then, I think
0: right now there are fewer Republicans,
2: registered Republicans yeah. than, than
0: independents. Oh, okay. For the first time in like a really, really long
2: time, yeah, but but then it's like, but then you have to work if you, if you you have to work with somebody because the only like if there's three equal things, um then the only way I'm going to have the majority to get anything done is if some if if I compromise and somebody's working with me mm-hmm. right now it's just a two party, then no matter no matter who wins, then it becomes about staying in power. um and so, you know, you and so you could have, like, for example, healthcare for me. It's like, you know, if, if everybody would have come together, we could have had a fantastic uh, healthcare system. Uh, but Obama comes up with a healthcare system that looks good, that's going to insure people. Well, there's no way the Republicans are going to vote for that because then that keeps, you know, you don't, you don't want your enemy to have credit for doing something good. Right. Even though you, even though you know, even though the Obamacare was based on Romney Care and, and and all of that, but but somehow I know that if that third person or that third group is in the mix, now the only way I'm going to get anything through is I've got to learn to compromise and give and take. But right now, it's just dig in your heels, right? Well, but keep if- the majority, and 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 so nothing gets. You're, you're describing, you know, that that exact scenario is why if
0: you just take away the parties and it's just. Here's yeah. this idea, and you're not all tied to the yeah. result of that legislation, right? I mean, I think I think yeah. that's what you're identifying there, and you're absolutely right. It's sad that we had a health care plan from Obama that was going to insure 20 million more Americans, but they have voted to repeal it 40 times mm-hmm. and spent four years, five years, 15 years trying to get rid of it just because they didn't want him to have the credit for
2: it. Yeah, and then they talk about how health care has gone up under under the Obamacare without realizing, well, the reason it has gone up is because you guys have fought against these things. That's that right. Made it. That's right, if we it. Yeah, whereas if we would all come together and work together for yeah. the good of the people, then, you know, hey, let, let me use my US pride. We'd have <clears> the best healthcare system in the world right. if we would all work together. But instead, I can't give the other side credit for doing something, so I have to stand in their way and destroy what they doing. now. If they leave office, I'll go in and do the same thing they wanted <laughs> right. to do. Well, yeah. and I think I, I might even mention this the last time I was on here, but
0: I don't think there's anything Republicans in Tennessee could do to help themselves more than actually pass Medicaid expansion here in Tennessee. I think if they actually passed it, they would take that sword out of the hands of Democrats who like, that's what they use all the time. They, they point to Medicaid expansion, a billion dollars a year that's out the window. Number one in medical bankruptcies, rural hospitals closing all over Tennessee. If Republicans would just pass it, which they, Governor Lee could do himself, that Democrats wouldn't be able to run on that anymore. They wouldn't have that anymore. And they would seem like a reasonable group of human beings. So, you know, even though sometimes they think, oh, I can't let them win that battle, sometimes letting that battle be won and taking some ownership of it helps
2: you. you well, know? if they would see it that way. Right. Yeah, they, But they won't. They'll never see it that way. No, but I, I am tired of just um that as soon as as soon as somebody gets in a position of power then it becomes about staying in power yep. not about doing what's best that's right um we're doing what's best for the people then you go back to you know power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely and i think that's exactly what we what we see um and unfortunately sometimes we see that at every level even down to the little bitty commissioners and aldermen yep um at times you you kind of see that uh going on cuz here locally in franklin until i think it was it was either two years ago or four years ago. Was the first time at the alderman level where parties got involved, um, and uh, it, and so now your local your local elections are get a little bit dirty because yeah. now the you know because used to even though you may have known what party um, an alderman or a commissioner was part of, they didn't run their campaign as that, and basically everybody was running as independents. Right. Basically, it was it was supposed to be nonpartisan elections at the local level with the commissioners and the aldermen and two or four years ago is when that changed and republicans um put in some money backing there was a real close alderman race and republicans got involved and put in some money backing a particular candidate uh, and they they backed a couple of people when they lost one but the one that they started with in the winning if i remember the the history of that right and now at the local level now everything is partisan. Right, even school board races. Even school board races become partisan. Yep. And, and I've, some of that's been going on Facebook I just today as I was reading some stuff about some school board stuff. And now it's, it's partisan. And, and um, instead of just people wanting to, what's best? What's best for everybody? Doing to others as you'd have them do unto you. What's best for everybody? Now let's run that way. Uh, but it just, and it starts, starts at the top. So now you got this hatred, and and you can't disagree with somebody. You have to abuse that person who disagrees with
0: you. The amazing thing is, as divisive as this guy is, his enemies think Obama was the divisive one. And I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, Pete Souza documentary, The Way I See It. You guys seen that? Pete Souza was Obama's photographer. I just did a two hour documentary on him on MSNBC where you see Obama through his eyes, basically. And this guy was the furthest thing from divisive, trying to be everybody's president, led with humanity, a father, a family man, everything Trump isn't. I don't understand how people can look at that guy and see divisiveness and look at this guy and see a unity president. It makes no sense to me. Well,
2: in fact, President Obama lost some of his support. Because he was trying so hard to work with the other That's side. That's right.
0: I mean, they're progressives who are not Obama fans. Yeah, because, because
2: it's like, well, he once he got there, he compromised. Well, right. What he was really trying to do was unify. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas this the president, the president. Well, I don't know. This is the day, <laughs> the president as of Monday, November the second, right? Um, doesn't know how to unify. He thinks he thinks his path to reelection is to um, is to further divide and and build up his base. Uh, more so yeah I, see, to try I, just, to I cross think he he side. thinks his
0: path is just to steal it, so it doesn't matter anymore. I mean he has he's you know he's just playing pandering to his base, but he I don't think he thinks he can actually get enough votes. I think he only thinks he can suppress enough votes, yeah, well, we'll see what happens, yeah, <laughs> and that's what happened yesterday and it wasn't enough, and Biden won, and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. If we say it enough, least, that's Trump's tactic, right? If you say it, it becomes facts, It becomes reality. That's true. It's the Jedi mind trick. That's yeah. what he's doing. Uh huh. Yeah. That's where he's stealing it
2: from. All right. Well, let's take a break, and we'll we'll come back, and and we'll play the other half of the scenario. Oh no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving for the second half. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Floods of Justice podcast is brought to you by the Coffee House at Second and Bridge. Since 1904, they have stood at the corner of Second Bridge Street in the heart of downtown Franklin. Their house-made menu items are crafted with care and love. Baked goods are made from scratch each morning, and specialty coffee is always ground and brewed fresh. So come on down, wander the rooms, join us at the coffee bar, and find a space to enjoy the food, the drink, and maybe even a recording of the Floods of Justice podcast. Welcome back to Floods of Justice. We have been here with Justin Canoe talking about anything and everything other than the possible chance that Trump could win. Pastor Kevin wants to <laughs> to pretend like that might be the reality. I'm fighting it. But uh, let's talk uh let's talk a little bit about the the hauler. What's kind of been going on behind the scenes? How's that been developing in this election season? Like what's what's going on?
0: Yeah, I, I don't remember when I was here last, but We have now launched, we've got eight haulers. We've got haulers throughout the state now. Haulers in Memphis, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Harrogate, Cookville, Tri-Cities, and Murfreesboro. And it's been awesome. They've all been building up their audiences, talking to the right people about local issues, which I think is probably the most important thing we can do as the hauler. So, you know, I'm really excited about what they're doing. We haven't had them in existence through a legislative session, but I think once legislative session starts and the people that are in power start doing their thing in committee on the house floor, and we can then show their own voters what they're up to in the house. I think it'll provide some sunlight in a way that we haven't been able to do as the main hauler, because it doesn't matter if I'm talking to Nashville people about something that a Chattanooga rep did. But if you can talk specifically to Chattanooga people about things that Todd garden Gardenhire is doing or Knoxville people about Jason Zachary I think that's when you can really make a difference in these
2: places. So I'm excited about our regional haulers. yeah, I'm excited to see it. i mean i've I follow them on Facebook um to see all that and i I love the Tennessee hauler cause it's like that's what we, we you got to have that that type of presence who's just gonna get in there and ask those tough questions and and um try to get to the truth um, and uh, even though, you know I mean, you get lots of criticism, yeah, um but yet at the same time, I remember you and I talking about something a while back, and uh, it was like, yeah, but just show me where I was wrong. Right. You know, like, or show me where I didn't report something correctly.
0: Well, that's, I mean, our our motto is always yell the truth. Yeah. And what I tell our hollers all the time is, if it's not true, we're not putting it up. Yeah. You know, and, and the truth, you know, is a lot about framing. So you know, things can be true and be said different ways and still be true. For instance, the example I always go back to is when Governor Lee reaffirmed Nathan Bedford Forest Day, and our headline was Governor Lee reaffirms the first Grand Wizard of the KKK Day. Both things are true. One really gets the point across a little bit better than the other, though. So, you know, that unvarnished, in-your-face truth feels like it's really important to have out there. And, you know. We really wanted to be unflinching about that, even though people will accuse us of being biased or one way or another, but our real bias is to the truth.
2: Yeah. Well, you brought that up, the force bust. Um and they're still playing they're I know. still playing with that.
0: I know. Yeah, I I we were just talking about how they added a step while well, we were both sort of not paying attention. Everybody's looking at the Trump and Biden campaign and now suddenly they just added a step, Lieutenant Governor McNally and Cameron Sexton, the speaker to make it harder to remove that KKK Grand Wizard bust. So I think that's going to come back to the forefront here once things die down with the presidential election, and it's just a damn shame and a disgrace.
2: Yeah, it really is because because we were thinking that come, um, what was it, either January or February, the historical commission would meet. Right? I thought it was October. Well, no, the, we well that's what, like, when and for those who don't know, the Nathan Bedford Forest bus is in the state capitol, and there's been a move to remove it. It's not part of that... Um, old, old statues that you see across the South. It was put in the Capitol in 1976. It was put in as a statement against segregation uh, or against desegregation. And um, and we've been trying to get it out of there. It finally came to a vote where it was voted to be removed from uh, the Capitol along with some other military personnel, which is a whole other story. Uh, but then, and and it was going to be, and that was like, that was over the summer. When was that vote? June. Okay, so that was in June, and we were told that it would go before the historical commission in October. That's what I thought. Um, and then it may have to go to two different meetings before, it, but then it would be voted. Uh, it would be voted to remove, and then not long after the vote was taken. They said no. The October meeting is not going to. It can't do that. It's going. It's going to be the January or February. They just delay.
0: They're just they yeah, stall. Just they delay. Yeah. They kick the can down the road because none of them want to be the ones to do it. Yeah. Because they're afraid of how it'll look yeah. to who the clan? Like who are they worried about? I don't. Yeah. I, who are these people that they're so worried about offending by removing? A first grand wizard of the I KKK know. bust. I don't understand. I don't that.
2: understand it either. And so then, it, it, and, and so then, you know, we've been told all along that it's ultimately the historical commission's decision, and it's got to be a two-thirds majority. But then, between the June vote and now, they pushed it to, uh, to February or January. I can't remember which one it is. Um, somebody found some arcane rule um, in the yeah, state capitol to- that they're using to add another step. that's I- saying that the historical commission is not the people who can make that decision. It's somebody else. And then I, I looked, I at looked beginning. at the law.
0: I went to the Capitol. I went to the legislature. I went to the library. I sat with the guy. He opened up the book. He showed me the law. It was, they could move it. Yeah. So I don't know what step they added, but it was right there in black and white that the historical commission can move it. And so, you know, they're playing games and, and people need to know the context of Lieutenant Governor McNally is a guy that threatened protesters with a meme during the protest saying, you know, who's going to protect you from us, basically like, you know, there's some, there's some bad faith stuff going on in the legislature. And that's the context
2: for keeping these things. Yeah. And so, you know, one step forward, two steps back over something that seems not to, I mean, it it seems to be a no brainer. Right. And,
0: and that's the thing, know? like this is another instance where mm-hmm. if they would just do the right thing, they would take the sword out of the hands of their enemies mm-hmm. and, and, you know, show that they're reasonable people and make it a lot harder to point at them and and explain who they are. So I I just think it's short-sighted.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's still coming up. Uh, What are some of the other issues you think that are going to come up in the next legislature?
0: I think Medicaid expansion is a big one. Even uh, a Republican named Ron Travis had a bill, a bipartisan bill to expand it. So I think that's never going to go away. You know, and I think deep down they know that's the right thing to do. So obviously, I think that'll be at the forefront. You know, the the uh, heartbeat bill, abortion bills, especially. You know, if Trump wins and it goes to the Supreme Court and gets overturned, you know, it's going to happen fast. If if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, you know, Tennessee is very quickly going to ban abortion here, and and has basically already done it. You know, so I think that's going to be at the forefront and. Things are just going to get more and more intense around here. You know, no matter what happens tomorrow, the work continues, and we have a
2: long way to go in this state. Yeah, it's, it's – uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't see how you do it. You know, I've got my own issues, um, yeah. but uh, uh, but in the fight every day.
0: I know. I mean, that- it's not me. It's not it, – you know, the holler is how we fight, but, you know, everybody fights their own way. I mean, you're fighting your own battles. I see it all the time. There's so many people that that's the thing. I mean, if we're going to end this on a hopeful note here, you know, the thing that I've been inspired by is how many people are doing great work throughout the state in a place that really needs it. And these are people where I know no matter what happens tomorrow, it doesn't matter. These people are going to keep working, keep doing the work because they're in it for the right reasons. So, you know, the amount of people that are in the fight to make Tennessee a better place for the right reasons that are pouring their heart and souls into it, that don't, you know, make a living off of this stuff that are doing it to make it a better place for their kids. You know, that's what gives me hope. That's what keeps me going. And I know that that's not going to change no matter what the result of this one election is.
2: Yeah. And well, thank you for that. I need, I need that encouragement, but cause yeah. it is, um, you know, I woke up this morning, just, just, um, and again, for, this is the day before the election. Um, now it wasn't really an anxiety or a fear because i'm trusting god's sovereignty but it was just a uh, just an uneasiness because i have not in my lifetime i never would have thought i would have been in this living in a, in this particular time where there's so much uncertainty um and so much um um like you can actually see that uh um you know this is we're headed for something either really really good or really really bad yeah you know and 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 it's like I don't really know what to do with that Mm -hmm. um you know but yet at the same time at the end of the day trusting trusting in God's sovereignty helps me a little bit but in the meantime you know what is my responsibility there was a meme um, that I shared on Facebook a while back and it was from it was from Pope Pope Francis and and Pope Francis said um you know pray for the hungry and then feed them that's how prayer works and so to me that really that's like okay I want to trust in God's sovereignty but yet now, what does God want me to do? Right. You know, because that's, 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 how, that's how it works. Based without works. Right? Yeah, it was kind of like there's an old saying where, you know, somebody asked God, you know, God, why did you allow this horrible situation to happen? And God turns it around and says, well, I could ask you the same question. You know, why did you allow it to happen? You know, because I've put you here uh, to do something to make a difference um, in, the, uh, uh, in the life, in the kingdom and in the life that we live here. And, but, boy, sometimes it, just gets, sometimes it just gets dark. And so what I hold on to is that hope that this younger generation, I've been so encouraged uh, by some younger generation people, younger people, um, and even in the evangelical field, um, some younger evangelicals who are pushing the status quo and who, when, you know, who, are, who are up and coming and they're starting to make a difference. And so I think that's going to change uh, the reflection of, um, of what my tribe <laughs> looks like For that, but then also just the hope that uh, uh, that God is sovereign. But in the meantime, how can I? For me, you know, we're getting really, really close. There's an execution scheduled here in Tennessee that has not been stayed yet. Um, uh, On December the fourth, we're waiting for some DNA evidence to come back, which is going to be late November. So it's like it's just it's just right up to the, you know, which it's just and and uh, that person is a friend of mine and he's innocent, completely innocent. Um, and we're hoping that the DNA comes back and the governor will step in and give clemency, but yet that hasn't, you know, that that hasn't been the case yet. Uh, so that that's What's his name, Pervis Payne. Oh yeah, Purvis yeah, Payne. Pervis Payne. Um, Mem- Mem- Memphis. He's from he's from Memphis, and um, yeah, and his we, we did an episode on that talking to yeah. his, talking to his lawyer, um, and which was just really really um, fascinating and sad uh, to be there. Of course, there's um, another three. Federal executions coming up um, in the next. Um, I think it's it's around the first of December, in the November first of December time frame. Three more, which will bring since July like eight or nine federal executions that have taken place, and and one of the ones coming up now is a lady. So the so the federal government is getting ready to execute a lady, uh, the first of um, uh, first of December, and Kelly Henry represents her. Um, he, that's who represents Purvis. So those are the things that are kind of on my mind sure. as well, but yet. Um, you know, Medicaid, I'm, I'm doing with some stuff with immigration right now. That's got me like, ah, oh, that whole, you know, the immigration, um, and the way that we're treating them and trying to get people who, who how about, how about, how here. about
0: nobody speaking up? How about no Republican speaking up about the forced hysterectomies? 57, over oh, 57, over yeah, 57 yeah. now that yeah. were subjected to forced gynecological, uh, operations. Yeah. All out of one, ice,
2: all out of one center, one right? doctor. Yeah, and in Georgia, was it uh, yeah. the Georgia one? Yeah, and nothing's been said about that. Nobody says a word. Yeah. Um, on the positive note, Tennessee is starting to separate itself more and more from Core Civic. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, I Nashville. Know, <laughs> well, well, Chattanooga did something. Chattanooga, or it may have been Core Civic pulled out of a prison in Chattanooga, yeah. but either way, it's like, good, Core Civic, if we can get rid of them in the state. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, that would be <laughs> that would be a big step in the right direction. So there's
0: still a lot going on. By um, the way, speaking of prisons, though, shout out to this season two in the dark podcast you guys know about this at all no curtis flowers was tried six times and sentenced to death six times this podcast in the dark did a whole thing about him and the podcast saved his life Wow! so it's like 20 episodes it's well worth the trip it's fascinating in the dark in the dark season two season one's good too but season two is like you know, award, like they deserve all the awards and they save this man's life. It's really worth, especially with
2: what you do. Yeah, I need it's to worth listening to it. I need to listen because he saves his life, right? I haven't watched Just Mercy yet. I, I read the book Just Mercy when yeah. it came out and people keep saying I need to watch Just Mercy. And I'm like, no, 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 that's too close. That's too, especially the end, you know, because yeah. that, that guy.
0: No, this has a happy yeah, ending. Good. Yeah, this has a happy ending. Spoiler in the, no, alert. Yeah, sorry, awesome. sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. No.
2: no, no, so in the dark. Now you, you suggested another podcast I've been listening to and it's about the Iran-Iraq. Um, so blowback now, blowback yeah that's been I'm I mean, i on episode 5 on that'll, that. that'll piss you off yeah that's uh, that's really really <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah it just shows just uncover you know there's there's a fine line between truth and conspiracy theory yeah. right and, but it just unpacks some of the things that were going on that got us into the, into the mess that we're in in the Middle East right and uh, it's just anyway alright do All you guys right, have
1: man. any uh, recommendations on Voices of Hope out there you know we're recording this the day before the election and who knows you know how many weeks it'll be before we have official certified results on this but we are (laughs) recording this before we know who is our next president hopefully our new next president uh biased sorry um anyways so but who are some of those voices out there regardless you know nonpartisan here just on all right if you're cheering for this guy or that guy and your guy doesn't win who are some voices of hope that you're like "Ah, i'm really digging this person let's keep listening to them or that Anybody?
0: A voice of hope. There's this pastor in Franklin named Kevin Riggins, Yeah, I would agree. Uh very
1: hopeful voice Floods of justice, <laughs> Floods yeah. of justice podcast. Uh, let me think who are some voices of hope? I mean, I, politicians, whomever that you're just like, all right, from this, they don't have to be the younger generation, but you guys were kind of leading into, I'm hearing some good things out of this. I mean, yeah, I mean, all, all the
0: sunrise movement, Folks, you know, I think are are hopeful voices. Yeah, the younger, the more hopeful I find. Yeah. Which I guess is just how it works. Um, <clears throat> who else? I mean, Marquita has been super hopeful the way that she's run her campaign. That's been great to see. Yeah. Uh, who comes to mind for you?
2: Well, I mean, some of the people who I listen to are there's there's a movement, and it's, this is mainly coming from younger evangelicals. But um, the Vote Common Good, uh, Doug Paget heads that up. Um, and he's, he's probably around my age. I may be a year or two older than him. So he's not necessarily a young guy. But Vote Common Good, Doug Padgett, P A G I T T, I think. Of course, Shane Claiborne, who I think people in our audience will know, and Red Letter Christians, and the things that they say um, are really, really, are really, really good as well. Uh, there, there's a guy, his, his name is, I can't remember. Let me see. But anyway, the podcast is Raw the- Theology or Theology Raw, one way or the other. And he gets into some really, really good conversations, uh, but yet it's a hopeful um you know it's hopeful as well uh, from that I
0: struggle but- with the like the hope thing you know i i because i you know hope in this moment <laughs> I, I want to have hope, I'm also looking for some reality. You know, and, and so I, I find that there are some cynics that I think are hopeful these days, you know, I, it's just a tough one. I mean, like I, I listen to Sean King sometimes and, you know, he, he will, he'll beat you down with like the reality of the situation, but he's not giving up on you, you know? And so I think like you can be delivering some harsh truths, but also be hopeful in the idea that we actually can get past those things.
2: Yeah. And I would, I mean, every once in a while I'll, I'll go to YouTube and Google, you know, um, or, or YouTube, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Thank you for much. Yeah. And listen to some of his speeches. Yeah. In a more modern day, Dr. William Barber. Oh, um, oh that's the one. You know, that's Dr. the, that's Dr. William the Barber, voice. Yeah, Dr. That, William Barber, I should have thought poor, of that. Poor people's
0: campaign. That's the voice of hope for me. Yeah. That's the guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I listened to his sermons and his talks. Um, that's MLK about, in modern day in right in there. Modern, I mean, he is a day. special, special guy. Yeah. But if you really want to be inspired, listen to one of MLK's speeches. Um, you can just, any one of them, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And uh, it, it, uh, uh, it leaves me inspired. Okay. I got to pick up in
0: I I think think Justin Jones is like that too. You know, Justin Jones has a hopeful bent even when he's telling you how messed up things are, you know, he's, he's looking past it. And that's what I think is hopeful to me. It's like, you know, not ignoring the brutal reality, but also looking past it as though, you know, it's not big enough to stand in our way. Yeah, Which I'm look- I think is really. I'm looking,
2: I'm looking forward to voting for Justin Jones one of these days. To, me too. Me right, too. Casting my vote for him mm-hmm. at the at the state or the federal level because I think he's on that track. Yeah, I, I really do. So, yeah, so I mean, right. I feel like
1: the election is kind of like a, a doctor's appointment for me. That <laughs> right. I want to know. It's like how bad how bad is a doctor? That's right. You know, and if, is it that's right. Do I have two weeks or do I have twenty years? Right. And I just want to know. That's right. And 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 I feel like this election. If we can get accurate, you know, results and, and unbiased reporting at some point, where you can sift it down to the truth, you yeah. know, then you go, "All right, this is this is where we're at." Hey, maybe we're not as bad off as we are. It's just the bad has been really loud. Yeah, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm but so too. We'll. Uh, I guess we'll see. Um, man, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to try and get this episode up asap today. Um, get it today. And then, All right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we don't know the results of this one. And then we'll have a a recap after Biden wins. Let's do it. (laughs) The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.
0: Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler podcast network. Follow the Holler for relentless coverage, shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee. Find them online at tnholler.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the TN Holler.